right. Hello and welcome to Can You Keep a Secret, part of the Pull Tab Sports Network. Today we have a very special guest, Mr. Glenn Andreessen, the executive director of Minnesota Hockey. What what is what is an executive director of Minnesota Hockey? What does that mean? Glenn? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, it means that people think I have a lot more power and influence than I really oh, do. You've got power. But, uh, but no, it's uh, basically it's running the business side of Minnesota hockey. And I always like to say that, you know, the rules and policies and procedures that people don't like, that's that's a board of directors decision. <laughs> and then the, the fun stuff, the marketing and whatever, wow. that's the stuff I get to work on. So, so anything that's that people deflection. are frustrated about with Minnesota hockey is not you. And anything that they love is your your work, more yeah. or less. Yes, that's okay. that's accurate. That's a good summary. And, and then he has actual not not that much power <laughs> until he needs to have power, and right. then he has some. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's accurate, some. but only with business. I uh, can you give us? Let's go state of the union. We're sitting down here at Wild Bills in the West Seventh Girls State Tournament. What is the state of the union, Minnesota hockey, right now, and it's specifically? The girls game, how do the numbers look? What are you seeing? What are you feeling good about? Yeah, well, so we always look at Minnesota hockey and USA hockey. We always look at the growth at players that are eight years old and under. So five, six, seven, eight years old. So in that respect, we got a lot of good news, um, both boys and girls. Last year, we set a record. We have had over 19,000 combined boys and girls at that age group which is huge. I mean, we've never, Minnesota's always been leading the country, but it's always kind of been in that 18,000 range. And so last year we took a huge spike. Some might be COVID related, you know, people sitting their kids out the year before and then bringing them back last year, but records uh, for both boys and girls, uh, but girls, especially uh, we had over almost 5,500, eight and under girls last year. So, oh, wow. so that, I mean, that's far and away leading the country and um so we feel good about that because obviously in minnesota we like to say we keep the pyramid wide at the at the bottom and so it stays wider until you get to the top so um so i'm excited about that the state of the union in terms of of growth at that eight and under level all around is is really good certainly there's some areas of the state that have more struggles than others but but overall things are very good what do you do to recruit because it seems like if you get them playing u8 or mites that some of them are going to stay in the pyramid, like you said, the whole time. How do you, did you do something to improve those numbers? Like, did you put things into place, pamphlets, you're speaking at schools or something? Or how do you, how do you grow it when they're that young? Well, when you say, did I do anything? I probably didn't do anything. To, We've covered that. Wait a second. This did work. Yeah, well, yeah, you're, a figurehead. That you're a figurehead. We, okay, we've so, covered that. Um, so I think one of the things that we realized or that's been realized over the years, well, first of all, girls hockey has come a long way, right? I mean, when I was a kid, girls only option was to play with boys or they don't play at all. And since then, uh, we now have girls specific hockey. They can play with boys if they choose, but but girls teams have grown so well. So that that's a huge piece of it. I think that's why um, the growth of the game has skyrocketed in recent years. Um, I can tell you, I have I have two daughters. One played and one does play, and neither one of them would have played if I had said when they were five years old, "Okay, you can play, but you're going to be on a on, with a bunch of boys." Like that just wouldn't have appealed to them. So I think that you know, associations establishing girls only teams 
where girls are around girls. They love that. And, um, and that keeps them in longer and really doesn't stunt their development in any way. Uh, in fact, it might help it. So I think that's been a good thing. How did it work with Peyton? When Peyton was playing, did she play against boys right away? Uh, no, they had a great girls program in White Bear. So there were three or four U8 teams. And um, she went right into that. And then by U10, you're trying to make the A team, you know, instead of you, you've got tryouts and, and all that. But I, there were girls that played mites in White Bear for mm -hmm. sure. Um, and some of those girls ended up being top players because their their parents, you know, had them had them do that. But it, it, it really we were talking to Winnie, Winnie Broad Brown. Um, and she was saying, you know, it just really depends on the kid, like you said. I mean, your daughter might never want to play if she has to go with the boys. And then there are a handful of girls that maybe that makes it more fun that they're at that level or doing that. But yep. um, I'm I'm curious, um, you know, when you when you kind of think about these tournaments, and I know that you're you're growing the game kind of underneath the high school league and all of that. You're you're more at the association level, but. Are there anything, any changes you want to see or anything that you guys are working on uh, to, you know, improve something or switch something around that's maybe been a certain way for a long time? Well, one thing that concerns me that I, I don't like to see is when, and I realize why it happens, especially at the girls level, is when associations kind of combine to make their team stronger or to, to help their numbers. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of people, especially within those associations, will think it's great. Hey, we 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 fixed this problem. Now we have enough girls to have this many teams and we they're playing at the appropriate levels and stuff like that. When I look at it, though, my concern is, are you doing it because you want to win games or are you doing it because it helps your association? I think if you combine associations, it waters down the recruitment and of those five, six, seven, eight year old girls that I was talking about. It kind of puts a Band-Aid on the, on the problem, but doesn't fix the problem. Um, well, what about like, um, okay, so when, when associations have to do that, it's just simply because they can't get the numbers? Well, that would be their argument. Okay. But um, there's a lot of people doing it. But what, what, what are reasons. the numbers? I mean, so I live um, in Bloomington, and so yeah. they had to combine or – had to combine they combined with another association okay. at shakopee at, at the girls 12u level and so <laughs> that helped them have three teams so so maybe that's a good thing okay however um you know i look at it like is that really necessary because i'm seeing teams here at the state tournament for girls from laverne and from you know fergus falls and and all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so are those, I'm betting those numbers at their association are even smaller than the ones. So it's all kind of relative to where you are. So you think but, it's kind of a winning thing? Well, I've been hearing uh, high school coaches have been complaining too because there's been a trend towards these two two weaker programs combining. And they mo they might both have a handful of nice players at the high school level and they the real reason they're combining is instead of having three nice high school players, they want to have seven. And so some of these programs that have been around a long time are losing because two weaker programs are combining and, and being able to, to beat them. Well, and to your point, that's though, more of a high school thing, though. Well, yeah, I mean, but it filters down. Yeah. And but, that's the that's what we want to. And that really does hurt growth. Correct. Because then maybe some kids won't go out 
because they think that they might not make right. Like, so let's say they combine the two groups and now they've got kind of a super team, if you want to call it that, or stronger teams. So maybe a kid who's not really ready to jump in might not jump in because they don't think they're going to make a team. Is that kind of how it gets? Well, to? that could be. I mean, that could be a side effect of it. I'm okay. looking at more of at those younger levels when when you alluded to before, you know, putting flyers in schools and going out and actively getting these kids. But we because we can't just say like, hey come sign up for hockey. We have to actively go out in a lot of areas and get kids to, hey, did you know about this? Come on in, try it. Your parents never played, but that doesn't matter. You know, so that happens less the bigger your geographic area is. Totally. It's harder to do. So by doing that, you know, taking two big suburbs in the Twin Cities and combining them, that's a huge area that you have to, you know, figure out ways to get more of these kids. And that's, that's very difficult to do in a volunteer driven association. And, and even the communication on it, right? It, yeah. It's one thing to say, be a bear. Yeah. You know, here's a girl that's 18 years old. That's a bear. We want you to be a bear versus <laughs> come join CCLP SRY, you know, whatever we've got right. combined. And um, yeah, I can see how that would be be an issue. Hey, I want to go into your past. Um, and oh, oh. I'm guessing there's some good stories here. Girls hockey. We will. There's going to be plenty of girls hockey. But for anybody that was on Glenn Andreessen's LinkedIn in the last couple weeks, you'll notice that he was Has running. Has anyone been on his LinkedIn? <laughs> I think so. There's a really nice photo of him <laughs> back when it kind of a weightlifting phase, maybe like oh, GNC. No. Oh, no. You know, it's good. I got to go check um, it out. But anyway, you ran the Wilds social and website 2009 to 2012 so i want to know there's got to be just some really very niche stories about doing that and things that happened posts that went wild i don't know if like bugards around at that time. like what give us a couple nuggets from running the uh wild social in 09 to 12 well, <laughs> I don't even there, know what area that so is. So that's the, the area where all these social media platforms started. Like Twitter and Facebook were around for a long time. Yep. Then you had like Foursquare and okay. Instagram came in and then like Pinterest. So I, I started a Pinterest page. For the for wild. My, for my, well, for the wild, but also for myself so I could figure out how to do it. That's great. So feel free to check out my Pinterest page. Uh -oh. does, the, <laughs> does the wild still have a Pinterest no, page think, that you never shut down? I think when down? I left, it just... The new person was like, hey, I'm shutting down the, Pinterest. The new person, yes. Who is the new person? Are they still there? No. There's Apparently, a couple, was a couple no. young folks we, there now. Glenn and I worked together when I was with the wild. We, we did. There, we, we, we overlapped, did. yeah. I don't, you don't need to bring his... I, I don't know. But okay, they, I got you. I got I'm, you. Certain they, I'm certain they did a better job than I did because I was learning as I went. Yeah. And... And that and it was so stressful because all these platforms, I had no idea which ones were the better ones to be on. We had one, we had this advisor for the wild. Uh, maybe you remember him. I want I won't name his name, but he's like four squares where it's at. That's where you really four squares that's where you could make an impact. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what? Like how? He was like, a visionary. Like he's the like, wild team yeah. should check in. Like, where, or, people want to be the mayor of yeah, the wild. Yeah. So so there was that. And oh then and then one thing I do remember, I, I wanted to, to make our social media presence a little edgy. Edgy, okay. Which wasn't necessarily the wild brand at that time. No, and, and no. maybe never was. And and this was before like the LA Kings did their like oh, okay. So, so I did something to you the were effect. Being snarky. Yeah, I was being snarky and I, oh. I referred to the Vancouver Canucks as the Vancouver Divers, you know, wild fall to the Vancouver okay. Divers or whatever. And that that blew up and that 
elicited a, a ton way. of negative response. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> internally and externally? Um, well, definitely <laughs> externally and I think internally, but they were... <laughs> They were the the people at the wild were great in terms of like kind of letting me figure things out. Helping you carry your desk out the front door. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. They Did, didn't do that. How creative <laughs> were you though? Did you do like a a diver down logo and put it on a Canucks jersey, or was it just a text? I, it was a. It was more text. I'm more That's of a right, text though. than it was early I'm not on. A that. Photoshopper or. Um, Oh well, yeah, a graphic designer in any people, way. But. Who were the players on that team in that era? Like, who were the? Who did you get the most social well, traction out of? Cal Clutterbuck. Oh, Clutterbuck. So one of the other things I did was Booger try was to on that team. was develop some digital ads. And I, I hope I'm not offending anyone with the Wild at that time, but we lacked some star power on that team. We had, okay. you know, Koivu was on that team, but like, so we did ads and and we did some like funny ads, a lot of kind of like the stuff you've done. But like we I we highlighted Greg Zanin and his penchant for blocking shots, nice. you know, and Cal Clutterbuck and his penchant for hits. You know, we didn't have a Kirill Kaprizov, you know, to help to market the team. Was so Gabrick still on that team? No. Okay. Gabrick was did, gone. Did you These make were any, the lean years yeah, prior okay. to right prior to Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter okay. signing? And, yeah. Did you make any mistakes on the social? Like, did you ever? I mean, that job would be terrifying because it's like. I mean, you're not an air traffic controller. No one's going to die or anything, but it seems like your likelihood of stepping on the third rail, especially eventually new, especially you're going to say something slightly wrong yeah. or yes. post it wrong or tag the wrong account. Yep. I mean, did oh. you ever just mangle something? No, I was, I was in a constant state of stress because, A, I feel like if I'm not on here, I'm missing something. Like, I didn't feel like I could leave the house. I had you know, yeah. a young kid at the time. Like, I, no, I can't <laughs> do it because what if I miss something? And it was right around, and one time I stepped, you know, maybe overstepped my bounds. It was around the time they signed Parisian suitors. So like two days before that signing, we didn't, we still didn't know. <laughs> you're you're and doing I tweeted, a, you're I, scooping it. Yeah, well, I tweeted at night. No, I didn't know, but I was just like, go to bed, you know, rest easy, wild fans, go to sleep, like, get some <laughs> sleep or something like that. Not knowing what was going to happen, but then when people reacted to that, it was I think the wild knows something, and so I love thank it. God that I, they I kind of like the stuff here. you did. I mean, yeah, at least well, at least you weren't afraid to do some stuff. I like that. That that yeah. was uh, that was a great trip down memory lane. Thanks, thanks, Glenn. Hey, um, have you? But ever I also had to come into work on July Fourth that day because they signed. Yes, July 4th. I remember. And you are a big and July Fourth guy. <laughs> Everyone was That's at their cabin holidays. Everyone's like, "Oh, that was the best July Fourth ever." I'm like, "Well, not for a bunch of us that came." You had in to and take your soft-sided cooler out and just be like, "Honey, <laughs> yeah. drop me off." On, I, I really drop was me off on shore. I was at a pool with my wife and one kid at the time, and was like, "I gotta go in." So, yeah. hey, Glenn, as you're thinking about growing the game. One of the things that could help is Joe Mama's salsa. Oh, so good. It's the official salsa of hockey. I don't know if you know that. They've actually trademarked look, look, look it. Look at this bad boy. And, mm. and teams good. can sell Joe Mama's for six fifty a jar. You keep 3 bucks for your team. If you want to spice up your fundraising, I would encourage people to go to JoeMamas.com forward slash fundraising. There's five flavors, Glenn. We got Baby Mama. That's mild. We got original. That's the green one there. We got roasted garlic. We got pineapple, pineapple mango, that's my habanero. That's my favorite. And we got smoking 
Hot Mama, which is the extra spicy. Yeah, that's pretty good, too. Shelf stable. Yeah. Leave them on the doorstep. You are, you are spicy. Become a Joe Mama-holic. You're never going to want to quit. Uh, find them at Cub. That's Joe Mama's. That's the best read you've had since yeah, we've been doing felt, it. Yeah, I'm feeling you, pretty good out you, here you at Wild that, Bills. You nailed the, that read. Uh, in the jailhouse here. I like it. I like this setup. I do. Set. Thanks I to do. Gabe and his crew for getting us going here. Okay. So, and Wild Bills, thank you. Yes, thank you, Wild Bills. Back to uh, girls hockey. Um, so it's interesting. The, the girls tournament still has a little bit of this um, phenomenon where, you know, the first day there's a lot of blowouts. And then you get to the second day and you kind of see some of these powers align against each other. Do you think that's something that, you know, I was, I was just, I noticed it because I thought I want to go to the tournament, but I'm going to go on Friday because I kind of know who's going to win on Thursday, and I, I want to go on Friday and watch some better games. But then I thought, well, that's not great that I'm thinking that way. Um, and I was wondering, could they ever do something different with girls hockey where they almost like seed it like a college football playoff? Or um, another dad was telling me that what football does in the state, they really kind of align teams at their level for as long as possible. Do you think there's anything they could do to – Avoid kind of eight nothing, nine nothing, seven nothing. Yeah, because yesterday three of the games were it was nine rip, yeah. six rip, and seven rip. Yep. And, and then, then Tonka had a close game two. with three two against uh, Centennial Park. Yeah. You think you could get creative with that and change that somehow? <laughs> well, I mean, high school hockey is separate from me, so I don't want to so tell, he's tell them the how they he's how they do the job. Buck. We've clarified but, that you're well, a figure. So here, here's my thing: they do seed right one through five, and then Correct. and then three are kind of. So, a couple things. One, you could argue, well, Thursday night uh, isn't as great as, but then Friday night is unbelievable. Yeah, and the like, it's a little bit different in boys uh, because those games are a little bit more competitive in the first round at like the double A level. But Friday night's the night; it's the best night in hockey in my in Minnesota, in my opinion. Yep. So, so I think it does really help those semifinal games. But the Minnesota hockey guy in me would say, girls hockey's grown a ton, but it still has a long way to go. Um, so there's still kind of those five, six teams at the top of the state, and others are slowly getting there. You yeah. know, I see more Moorhead was here for the first time in 20-some year, in their 25-year existence or close mm -hmm. to that. So they so they lost, but they got to state. They rep, yeah. They're representing the northern, you know, the northwest part of the state, and they – and they're just going to keep growing. That's them getting here is only going to help girls hockey and Moorhead. Mm -hmm. So there's teams are going to keep getting stronger and stronger. What do you What do you think? We uh, Winnie, who does a pod for us, she says they should eliminate JV hockey, and that would really strengthen your 15 age group. Go and, to U16 and keep more players in the game longer term, and then solve this problem of the tired voice in the room because you're coaching a kid for six years. You know, so you don't end up with players that. Two years at Andover, two years at Minnetonka, and two years at Edina just to keep them happy. Yeah. What do you think of that as a thought? No JV. It's interesting. You know, it. it I don't know the, all the ramifications of that. I'd have to think about it more. I, the first thing that comes to mind is if three girls on the varsity team get injured, you wouldn't be able to pick up, pull them up from the 15U team, right? Because high school is separate from from Minnesota hockey. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. High school hockey is great. Like we love high school hockey, right. love, love, love it. But 
they're separate entities. So you can't, so like if you, if you're short on numbers and, or girls get hurt or, you know, get in trouble or suspended, whatever, you don't, you're not gonna be able to pull those girls up if they're not on JV. But I get where Winnie is going with that in that you're keeping girls longer, playing some more games. Um, it's basically girls bantams. I mean, right. it's what you would potentially right. create, which right. seems pretty cool. Right. Maybe they taxi squad high school or you increase the roster by a couple players. Um, but so it sounds like Glenn Andreessen, executive director of Minnesota Hockey, is open to the idea. Well, no, he's just involved in business. <laughs> so the question I have, do you, would, would, would in situations like that, it brings up a unique thing. State High School Hockey Association League and uh, Minnesota Hockey, do you guys work together on, like, do you have conversations about stuff like this that you could work together on? Not not so much on this. They kind of make their own decisions, and okay. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Right. Um, but no, we don't okay. we don't weigh in. I don't weigh in or our board doesn't weigh in on, hey, you should, you know, eliminate this or, you know, for as long as I've been here and before that, there was complaints from associations saying, well, those high school teams, those coaches are poaching our players away. They're taking our players away into the high school team. And I've always kind of looked at that as, well, I get it that, you know, an eighth grader maybe shouldn't be playing with seniors in high school, but. In Minnesota, your goal as a hockey player, your dream is to play on the high school team. And, and we should keep that, you know. So I don't want to penalize girls or boys who are able to do that if they want to and they can fit in. But I also don't want to force girls or boys to do that if they're not ready for that. And so that's that's why Minnesota hockey is trying to find a, a solution. And And we do talk, and I will say, we do work closely with the high school coaches associations for both boys and girls. So when they have, when the coaches have something they want to bring forward and a lot of high school coaches brought this 13 U thing forward, we do listen and we try to work with them on that. I mean, do you see that happening? How do you, I mean, you have to well, vote on it and we, do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there'd have to be a vote on it. And it was, it was a huge topic discussion last year. And we kind of, what ended up happening is we kind of did a hybrid to where if you're if a daughter or a girl is, is 13 years old and you don't have a 15u program you can go down and play another year of 12u okay so it how there weren't as many people taking advantage of that as maybe we expected uh, this year which is the first year we piloted it but so we have tried to you know sure. try that option so yeah, so, yeah. You so would, any Dyna kid yeah, couldn't yeah. do that if she's 13 and just wants to play 12U. You can't do that because you have a 15U right. option. But a kid in, let's say, Fergus Falls, because we already talked about them, they don't have a 15U. Or I don't think they have a 15U program. Yeah. So if they were to say an eighth grader, like, you know, I want to play. I'm not ready to play high school. I don't want to play as an eighth grader. Then they'd have the option to play on the. But probably if you looked at the numbers, the majority of those kids would want to go up and play instead of go backwards. That's how they would look at it potentially. I would think so. Right. I would think so. God, complicated stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious. I think our listeners would want to know, can you see communities that are doing it right? Um, so I remember hearing about Moorhead's really going to go on a run for like the next five years because they, they're just doing all of the spade work that you need to do in the community. And they, you know, they got a bunch of players coming I think OMG went through that really in the last decade and over more recently. Do you have some communities that you're seeing 
really um, building the game the way you'd want them to build it that, you know, five, 10 years from now, we might be seeing down here in St. Paul. Yeah. And are you talking girls only or? Yeah, let's, or, do, let's do both, but girls okay, first. Girls focus. Yeah. So I remember. Um, so, yeah, there's com- communities I could list. Moorhead is one and they they, they just do everything really well. Yep. Their, their youth program. And I don't want to leave anyone out that I shouldn't be. But I also look at uh, Bemidji. Did a ton. I remember when I started, they had this huge little lady lumberjack program, which just got all these little girls in. And then you saw their teams get better 10 years later. And so when people ask me like, well, how, you know, our teams aren't good. We we need to merge or co-op or whatever. I say the only real solution is to just get more little girls playing, mm-hmm. have little girl specific uh, try hockey for freeze or learn to play programs or things like that where it's just all little girls just get them out there mm-hmm. and enough will keep playing that'll make a strong program um, Laverne comes to mind um, they do a great job and, and South St. Paul um, for some somehow they're they just keep churning out great girls teams and great girls players and they were at the state tournament again too so um so yeah, I mean, there's a few like that. Some could do it better, and some just take it to another level. War Road, I don't know if you can replicate what they have, just because they have you know free ice to anyone that wants it anytime. But that's a pro, that's a small town in northern Minnesota that treats their girls same as the boys, and they just want to create great hockey players and great teams, and and they do such a good job of getting kids in. Isn't it funny how? Simple it is to actually build it if you want to do the work, right? Yep. I remember when we were working with Hendrickson Foundation, we did this thing where you got a, they had a medallion and they gave it to um, uh, people in wheelchairs, you know, that were um, sled hockey players currently. And they each had one medal and you could give it to somebody at any point and, and have them get an invitation to come out and and play that was almost like your buddy pass right yep. you you would think girls hockey could do the exact same thing at the u8 level it's like if you sign up with a friend you get 10 percent off your dues or whatever whatever it is i mean just because if you just get them in a lot of them are going to keep playing so yeah, yeah. I, I have a fun story about that so i'm from duluth and a bunch of my friends still live there and two of my friends one guy was in charge of recruiting for the local rink up there in duluth it's a local rinks and he had a friend, another one of our friends had a daughter who said she didn't want to play hockey. And so this other guy wrote her a little letter just saying, hey, I would love for you to come try hockey. If you don't like it, that's fine. But here's $2 to spend at the concession stand if you come down and, and at least you can get some candy. So she did that, spent the $2 and now is a 12U player up in Duluth and a really good player. So this Did she ever she pay him five back? years old. <laughs> That's NIL money. When she yeah. when she signs in the PHF, she she'll have. So to. technically, what we're saying here is Did give this. little girls candy and give them money, them pay them to come. No, I don't think we're saying no. That at all, but actually. I'm just if you get what I'm saying is if you have a dedicated person, I that love can that. Think story. creatively, yeah, and just you know, hey, maybe this works and maybe it doesn't, but let me just try this. Yeah, it's, but it's a hell of a story for later on. Yeah, exactly. But I, but I also think like you you said it earlier with your daughter. Um, you know, I think it just kind of uh, snowballs, right? Yeah. So you get, you know, your kid starts playing, you take her to game. She wants to be a bear, right? 
I know my daughter, you know, Stillwater, they do a really good job of getting them in early. Their, their friends are all there. And for the serious hockey player, there is a way to get better. And for the non-serious hockey player, they just want to be with their friends. Yep. And their friends are all doing it. And the programs are strong. So, it's, again, I think when you look at all these programs you mentioned, they have one thing in common. Well, and good volunteers, too, right? Good right. guys, good good men and women who are going out there and really putting a lot of effort into growing this. And I think when you start to grow it, I think it just it really starts to maintain itself. Yeah. And, and the hope is that, okay, so we're hockey guys. So our daughters are more likely to play than maybe a, a mom and dad who never played hockey and aren't familiar with it. So the hope is that you're recruiting those kids or that our daughters are making friends at school and saying, come, why don't you come do this with me? And then, and then the association's there to welcome them and help them kind of get into this and learn about hockey and how to be a, a hockey parent. I mean, that's the math. If you, you got to know how many how many young girls there are you ate in your town and see how many of them you can get playing hockey. Yeah. I mean, that's, exactly. that's the math, right? You got, we got 400 of them. Well, what's your goal? Well, we're going to try to get, you know, a hundred and hundred of them to come out this year. And, mm -hmm. and then you figure out how to do it. I'm going to take a quick sponsor break. And sure. then I want to come back and ask you about, you had a couple stories about, uh, Heisey and, and kind of players, coming from anywhere and being great, which I want to come back to. Uh, Can You Keep a Secret is sponsored by Duke Cannon. If you look at Glenn Andreessen's LinkedIn photo, back when he was in his heyday, he was using Duke Cannon product. It was when his hair was a weapon. If your hair is a weapon or you wish it was, try Duke Cannon. It's local. They give a portion of their proceeds to the U.S. military, and they've got a lightweight main tamer called Sirius Flow, which it doesn't get much better than that when it comes to hockey hair. You can see them at Target or DukeCannon.com. And when you're done doing that, when you look your best, I would slide on over to the grocery store and pick up some Jimmy's salad dressings and dips. Grandpa Jimmy started this company. He was kind of a mad scientist. Dad took it over. Now it's being run by these two young bucks. They're like the property brothers of uh, dressings and dips down in Stewartville, Minnesota. You'll find them in the frozen section where all good hockey products should be. Pick up some coleslaw, pick up some chunky blue cheese dressing. That's Jimmy's salad dressings and dips. Don't you be messing with my dressing. You know, everything's fantastic until you use that voice. You don't like that part? No, I like it, actually. Again, you're on fire today. Hey, you, gotta you know, credit. we got to tape to tape. We're down here at Wild Bills. Everybody's got to be at their best. It's bracket time. It's tournament time. So, Glenn, you had a couple stories, and they're, they're examples. They might be exceptions to the rule, but I think your point is, there is no rule. Great, great right. hockey players can come from anywhere. So tell us about uh, Taylor Heisey's background and Cameron, uh, I think, was the other one. Yeah. So we so back to your thing about, hey, girls just, you know, some take it seriously, just some of their just there to be with their friends. And mm -hmm. so maybe sometimes the knock on Minnesota hockey is that, well, that's community based hockey. That's fine. That's all well and good. If you're, you know, just want to go have fun with your friends, that's cute. But <laughs> what I would say is, is this model works. So if that's your thing that you want to get to the highest levels, you don't have to do the crazy stuff. You can still do mm -hmm. association hockey and high school hockey all the way through. So we have this year, another record is 222 Minnesotans are playing division one women's hockey. So that's one in three Americans playing division one are from Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, 222 is more than double the second state, which is Massachusetts. And it's more than second, third, and fourth states combined. So you so, told us you weren't going to give us statistics. So but it's pretty that's, good. I, I won't go any further than that. But 
my you, point being that it you works. You could say that you guys make hockey players. Well, you could say that, yeah, <clears throat> especially female hockey players. But so I, I am this nerd, and I have this list of every single one of those 222 players and where they, what their path was, and and all this, and where they came from. And yes, Edina has a lot of girls playing or women playing Division One. Um, Andover has a lot of women playing Division One. Minnetonka has a lot, and then some private schools, you know, Blake or Breck or. So they come from those places for sure. But there's girls from New Ulm playing Division One. There's girls from Thief River Falls playing Division One. Um, you know, War Road we talked about. And then the best player in the country. Some sort of Amber is Alert. Amber Alert. Yeah. This, is, this is what happens when you do it live. Um, but the best player in the country, in my opinion, is Taylor Heisey, who came from Red Wing, Minnesota, and even not Red Wing, Lake City, Minnesota. A, a, a 20-minute drive from Red Wing. Really? Perfect. So Taylor Heisey, and if you listen to her tell her story, she is all about um, that. what you just talked about. She wanted to play with her friends, and she, like – she could have gone up levels. She could have moved to different towns, whatever. For her, it was all about playing with her friends. And at Red Wing, she probably wasn't playing with this plethora of superstars. Maybe there was one or two other really good players. And she'll be an Olympian for sure. Yeah, she's. Um, they were talking about her in the rivalry series game the other night, what impact she's going to add because oh. they, they couldn't take college players these last couple games. But, yeah, no, that's great. And um, I mean, she, yeah, I mean, she, well, is, sorry. she is like <laughs> – who I and there's 222 playing call. I mean, I point to Taylor and be like, "That's our that's our figurehead right there. That's who we want." But then, but every year there's another player like that. And the, this year, Cameron Van Batavia. Yeah, from t- tell us about her because I was looking at that roster when we did our little music video thing, um, which if you haven't checked it out at Poltab Sports. But half of the names on that roster were like. Van and Vaughn and I was like, yeah, I, know. Was like, I was like Lederhosen or well, something. Yeah. For the, so what's the backstory there? Well, I mean, Laverne is a program that's just over the last 20 years become this hockey powerhouse in the tiny Mecca. southwest corner of the state. Yep. And, and so to me, when anyone complains about their association and gosh, we just can't get kids in and we're small and we don't have that. I'm like, well, Laverne can do it. Laverne is doing it. So I, I, I know everyone's got challenges, but, but what's Laverne doing that we can steal from and bring to other associations? And Cameron is another example of that in that she played Laverne hockey. She didn't have to move away from home. She didn't have to move to the big city or move to another state. She's playing Laverne hockey and she will be a division one player. And she might, she's a Ms. Hockey finalist. And like, so she's bringing a lot of, um, notoriety to, to Laverne, but what she's really doing in my mind, the biggest thing she's doing is she's inspiring all these little girls in Laverne to keep playing and, and say, you know what, I can be a great player playing in Laverne. That's great. They're almost like lighthouses, right? If you can just plant one of these kids and they stay with their friends and they build the program at home, then there's a bunch of like the you know, it's, it's like a tree. You know, it's like the Bill Belichick coaching tree, right? Yeah. You get one of her and you're going to have, for 10 years, you're going to have players coming up that wanted to be her. Yes. Um, I, I think I that's ha- great. I have all these pictures that I save of, of little boys and little girls, and I always have them. It's just them standing against the glass watching the high school team. Mm-hmm. And like, and I'm not here to pick on other states, but that doesn't happen anywhere else. 
Okay, if you go to Michigan, like there aren't little kids watching a little Caesars Victory Honda game in their little Caesars and Victory Honda jerseys, right? Like that just doesn't happen. But here, all these high school, 16, 17, 18 year old boys and girls are inspiring these little kids who want to be like them. And to shift to the boys, like there's an example, like a pipeline, Eden Prairie, you know, Nick Letty and Kyle Rao inspired, yeah. inspired Casey Middlestead, yeah. who uh, wanted to be like them. Before he wanted to be in the NHL, he wanted to be on the Eden Prairie high school team. And now you're seeing kids that were inspired by Casey are now getting into high school. And so there, it just has this ripple effect that, uh, that works. So you were a goalie at Duluth East. How many kids did you inspire? Zero. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, did I, the goalies go through the roof when you were playing there? Like all of a sudden the enrollment no, because I was a, I was a bad goaltender, but we had good goaltenders. And so my friend Kyle Colquist, who was the uh, goaltender in the Apple Valley East five overtime game, he probably did inspire. Um, so you're saying, you're, and I will yeah. say he was the other goalie in the him Apple and the Valley backup East. on that team are the only are the last two from Duluth East to go Division One. So. So it was tough. Well, I was just looking outside the glass here, and I think there's a young boy that wants to become an executive director someday. <laughs> I saw him. He had, peering, a, he had a notebook, in. Yeah. He had a calculator, and he just went running down the street. Yeah, well, seven. he's, he's hey, you, aiming high. You guys made a hire. Uh, you added a DEI person to grow the girls' game specifically. Can you just talk about this move by Minnesota Hockey? Yeah, so um, girls' hockey is growing, but – it can be, we said that's got a long way to go. So we are putting more focus on that as well as um, making our game more inclusive and getting more kids from different ethnicities involved. Um, we're, awesome. we're behind on that. So if you were to ask what one of our weaknesses, it's, you know, the makeup of hockey players in Minnesota doesn't look like the makeup of the population in the state. So we have some work to do there. So those are Akua's focuses. Uh, Akua Tieku is her name. Uh, she's awesome. Came from the U of M and, and worked on a project for us on this specific topic. And so she right now she is meeting with people from all over the state to just talk about, you know, how we can do this new initiatives that we can put in place. Um, you really it is such a monster of an issue to to tackle. So you need someone that can devote their their whole day to it. And so we're excited that Akua joined us and and uh, we'll take that on. Oh, that's great. Well, awesome. Well, hey, we just want to thank you for yeah, coming down thank here. You. And uh, yeah, we had the pleasure of working with you on some of the campaign work and this idea of we make hockey players. I think it runs through both the girls and the boys' side is the more of them we can get into the game, the stronger everything gets. And it, it really validates a model that's very unique. It's look around the country. You can't stay home, play with your friends, driving 10 miles instead of 200, you know, spending a fraction of the cost. Uh, so it's pretty unique what we have here in Minnesota, and it's led to these, they, they come out the other end at these great tournaments down here in St. Paul. So thanks for the work you've done, and thanks for being out here, and let's have some fun tonight. Are you going to go to the games tonight? Yeah, I, I plan, I was just at the the Hermantown, Proctor Hermantown and Orono game, and I'll go back after this. And um, But I do want to thank you guys too, uh, because anyone that does stuff like this to enhance these events um, only helps us. It only helps people realize like, oh, wow, hockey's a big deal here. Hockey's fun here. Um, I want to be a part of that culture. And, you know, I'm biased, but I don't know that that really happens in any other sports. I don't know if there are podcasts that are going to the state 
soccer tournament or or things like that and um, john's a big bags guy so there might there's a yeah, state cornhole, bags cornhole. yeah well there there is regional that. cornhole I um so. what's that pickleball i mean yeah, that yeah, might yeah, be a place pickleball. to get into now but no but um, i do think the girls uh there is still a delta in coverage as well with media and we do want to help solve that we want to give the girls just as much love as the boys for well sure. and to add to that not to another little perk but you know when he um wrote brown is going to be joining us on a podcast called selly hard right yeah that's going to be specifically geared toward women's and girls hockey yeah well and winnie's another person that does Lifer. so much for the, for the sport yeah i mean she she cares so much about community and high school hockey and so she's such a great advocate and we're thankful to have her in our state too and tom chorsky is going to be her, yep. her co-host and how many did she inspire in roseville oh Rose god Meyer. she's an og yeah well exactly. she's still yeah. inspiring from os she's yeah, still inspiring she's the, people she's, now right. she's so unique because she comes from it from a completely not as you know she was a fantastic player but if you talk to her and learn her story you know she's had some ups and downs too yeah so kids can really relate to her yeah, girls absolutely. can really relate to her well, come on yeah, out. You were great, Check man. out Thanks. the state Thank tournament. You. Some of the best players in the world playing hockey down here in St. Paul. This has been Can You Keep a Secret? Thank you, Glenn. Thank Bye. you. Thank you, Glenn.